You are listening to Four Point Stance, women's tackle football talk on Twitter, iHeartRadio, Yelfi, YouTube, Anchor, Apple, Breaker, Google, Spotify, Radio Public, Mixcloud, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Facebook, or wherever else it just shows up. Too many places for me to count anymore. If you want to get in contact with me on the show, you can go to the Twitter handle, which is the number four underscore PT underscore stance, or my personal Twitter handle, W34VI1Weevil. Weevil Productions on Facebook, or if you happen to find me, it's Coach Ash or Weevil on Facebook, um, and send me messages there. And I appreciate those who have sent me messages. Or you can just ignore me per usual, you know. Um, and as a reminder, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline available 24-7 no matter what. 1-800-273-8255. And the Trans Lifeline also available 24-7. The U.S. number is 877-565-8860. And the Canadian number is 877-330-6366. So I realized in the last recorded episode, um, apparently I couldn't read. So I apologize to all the confusion that I created in reading names. I accidentally called the Florida Avengers the Florida Anarchy. I can't guarantee I won't say that again, but, uh... They're the Florida Avengers. And uh, I do have kind of news on the sense of what is going on with with um, North Florida Pumas. So um, I'm going to kind of skip, like move some formats here, move some segments. And we might as well just get into the Women's Tackle Football News segment. And uh, I'll tell you right now, I've definitely got some information to give to you here. So as I said before, yes, I, I accidentally called the Florida Avengers the wrong name. They are the Florida Avengers. Well, the biggest concern was trying to figure out what was going on with the Pumas. And I appreciate the North Florida Pumas for reaching out to me and telling me what's going on. So the North Florida Pumas are still alive. The Women's Tackle Football League um, was created more to be like a overseeing force that would eventually you know, maybe help start eliminating some of the problems. I had a very extensive talk with Coach McGruff, and I appreciate him contacting me, and I got definitely a rundown of what was going on. Um, For those of you that may not realize, yes, the, the abbreviation WTFL was intentional. It got us all talking about it. And I will say, well played. Well played. Um, but from there, it's there's a little more complicated elements behind this. So, initially a league was not meant to be created. But given the circumstances surrounding the USWFL, the WFA, and the WNFC... Just having another location for teams to actually function just seemed practical. So that's why we have the handful of teams that are where they are right now. In some fashion, they are in a disagreement with the previous leagues that they were in. So, to eliminate the confusion, everybody was wondering what was going on with the Florida Puma situation. To kind of put it in a, without going into full details, because I know that that's some sensitive information, um, let's just say that there was kind of a hostile situation going on, and I know I'm not 
probably saying the exact best words, but that's really the best way I can describe it, just considering how many fires we've had and just in this off-season alone. But um, the front office of the Avengers were at one point the front part of the front office for the Pumas, and in a long about way, they were also at one point part of the Jacksonville Dixie Blues, but we're not going to talk again into that. And they separated, so we have three teams in Jacksonville having the Jacksonville Dixie Blues in the WFA, the Florida Avengers in the WNFC, and the North Florida Pumas in the WTFL. So, Pumas are alive. I'm, I'm, obviously, I can't emphasize that enough. Um, now that I know what's going on, it makes a lot more sense. Um, and it kind of does play into a little bit of what I, I will say in the real brew. Just in the fact that, as I said before, this is not the only dumpster fire I'm seeing happening in this league. Or in this sport in general. For other women's tackle football news, we do have another team joining the fold. Um, this team had been out of my market, my visual market for a little bit anyway. But we have another team in Kansas City. This puts a third team as well. And it will be the Kansas City Lady Saints. They will be filling the void from the Kansas City Titans and the WFA. And so we will still have a team in that area. Granted, we still have the Ottawa Mud Mudcats somewhere floating around. I saw them actually appear on social media not long ago. So that puts a fourth team nearby. We'll see how that area can handle it. Um, just because egos run deep in this league. God, do they run deep in this sport these leagues and everything. And, um, we'll see how that goes. I know this had been out for a little while. I just kind of, I guess, forgot about it and everything. Um, on November 10th, Veterans Day, after the Can Kansas City Chiefs-Tennessee Titans game, there will be a four-team game Set of four teams competing in games after that NFL game between I'm not entirely sure if it's Music City versus Derby City or if it's Music City versus Knoxville. Yeah, whatever. I'm not entirely sure. But Music City Misfits, Derby City Dynamite, Knoxville Lightning, and Columbus Vanguards are all involved. And for those of you Watching this on YouTube, you will you're seeing the graphics for the poster that is on Derby City Dynamite's website. Um, I believe that is DerbyCityDynamite.com. Let me go back and double check. And also information on how much it costs: thirty-five dollars for shipping, um, which I will say is, as they state on here, is a steal. It really is. That's a damn good price for tickets. Um, but looking at, and so if you are interested, if you're in that area or if you're thinking about traveling there, yeah, DerbyCityDynamite.com that is on their front page. All that information. Um, then you can go from there and see some women's tackle football after the men play their game. Um, I know Tri-Cities is trying to do something. They're a little salty about this this game being taken, but, uh, you know, maybe if you'd open your doors a little bit more and not, you know, let some people in, that might not have been the key problem. But there is still definitely a little bit going on there. And then yesterday it was announced, kind of late for me, per se, because I do have a weird schedule right now. The Women's Football Alliance is extending Team United. Um, obviously, this has kind of come out of their owners' meeting from the weekend. 
But Team United will be going to Miami instead of being in Canada, as they were earlier this year. They'll be going to Miami to take on a combined all-star group of Mifa from Canada and Lexfa from Mexico. This will be in South this annual South Beach Bowl in Florida on February 29th, 2020. Now, granted, that is a horrible time. I'm, I'm not going to lie. That is a horrible time to hold something like this because most teams aren't even formed at that point. Yes, they will be in preseason practice, but after you have the group doing the AFE stuff and the Hall of Fame game and whatever else shows up... Who knows if they'll have enough money to do this, plus their team fee, since a lot of teams pay, make you pay a lot. I'll kind of go more in detail on that in The Real Brew, because obviously that is a sore subject with me in general, but uh, yeah, that is named in the news. Um, definitely tons of news of young women that are doing very well in their high schools, um, very well. Um, I wish I could just find every single one of them and mark them, but it's not easy. But if you go to your respected women's tackle football page, whether you are a coach of one, a player, or a fan, go to your favorite women's tackle football page. Odds are they have it on their social media. If they don't, that's you get the beauty of harassing them, but also check their leagues. Um, that's the one thing the WFA and the WNFC are very good about, is posting this kind of stuff. Um, and checking through and making sure that, you know, if you happen to ha know of a young girl who is playing on her high school football team or whatever, you know, don't hesitate to reach out. You know, as somebody who personally works in news, you know, if somebody in my area said, oh, hey, you know, we've got so-and-so, I actually would push it to my sports department and try to see if they would get off their butts and do something. You know, it is an important thing. You, do, you have to realize that just because the news doesn't know about it doesn't mean that it isn't news. So, you know, be consistent. And that works for anything. Women's tackle football has to realize that... In the news world, we have a lot to look at. Trust me, we have a lot to look at. So don't be afraid to kind of push forward from there. And try to get them to talk. Again, that'll be something else that I will kind of go in a little more detail about in The Real Brew. That's right now what I've got in the way of women's tackle football news. I know it's not much, which... Obviously, compared to last episode, but um, let's just say that we're kind of in that area where you're never sure. I expect probably next week or the next week, we'll probably have a little bit of a little more of the silly season switcheroo. A um, few more teams show up, a few more teams vanish. Um, we still got to figure out where some teams are going to end up. You know, if you've seen my list, I think I'm up to 100... I'm definitely over 140 teams I'm monitoring at this point. Um, if you saw my list, you'd be exhausted, too. There are a handful of teams that technically last year were announced in, in one league, but then I never saw again, and then they've made noise off and on. Um, it would be nice to know what's going on. But as we start approaching kind of the end of the offseason for 20, 2019. Some some teams are closing down still of their 2019 season. Some are, you know, totally on their 2020 focus. We will then start seeing the shift towards 2020. So, just keep an eye out for that. That all being said, let's move on to the rules segment that uh, this one's kind of going to be a little bit of a fun one, so, you know, you might enjoy this. Okay, so for this rule segment, just because, to be honest, I kind of was out of ideas. Um, I don't know, who, who would have thought after week one? But 
thanks to uh, college football, leave it to the men to always come up with something. And leave it to the Pac-12 to always come up with something. They're two for two so far from me doing this segment. Always controversy surrounding the Pac-12 officiating. Well, I've got a set, what the same play in different angles playing for those that are watching on YouTube of the last pass in the Old Miss Cal game. It was ruled down short of the goal line, but then it wasn't reviewed. That was later admitted by the Pac-12. It should have been reviewed. But it wasn't a touchdown. So there were some Ole Miss fans that were kind of upset because they wanted to say that when the player came down, the ball was in the end zone. Unfortunately, with the main angle that was on TV, it was difficult to see. But I actually happened to have, uh, as you can see on here, a couple other angles. Again, not definitive proof. Um, One angle I have that's more kind of towards the back pylon shows it being short and then the one I have that is practically right there along the goal line just over the ref's shoulder shows the player catching the ball just short. So why does this play into the rule segment you're probably asking? Well I decided to look up what actually classifies as a touchdown. And I know some of you are like really we have to have this? You'd be amazed what some people do not understand. You know, each one of these levels has certain terminology. Doesn't make sense, not always. Some of it is pretty, like, okay. You know, like right here with the high school rule. You know, section two touchdowns, possession of a live ball in the opponent's end zone is always a touchdown. Well, not technically. I mean, depends on who you're with. Pac-12, they would argue it. But it says, like, A, it is a touchdown when the runner advances from the field of play so that the ball penetrates the vertical plane of the opponent's goal line. That means that white line that sits there right at the edge of the numbered field. Technically, the ball has to cross that line. It is a touchdown when a loose ball is caught or recovered by a player while the ball is on or behind the opponent's goal line. So if a player throws it, fumbles it technically, or it rolls into the end zone, it can be picked up and for a touchdown by the same team that initiated the play. If it's touched by the opponent, then it becomes a touchback. That's a whole different talk. This is, it is a touchdown when a backwards pass or fumble is declared dead in the end zone of the opponent of the player who threw the backwards pass or fumble while no player is in possession, other than an inadvertent whistle. Inadvertent whistle has to do with, you know, think about the New Orleans Saints uh, fumble from two weeks ago, where the ref blew the whistle and it should have not been blown dead. That's what they're talking about. They're letting the play go out. So, that's the high school rule. Kind of vague, but still kind of gets the point across. NCAA rules for touchdown. Touchdown shall be scored when a ball carrier advancing the field of play has possession of a live football when it penetrates the plane of the opponent's goal line. The plane extends beyond the pylons only for a player who touches the ground in the end zone or a pylon. And it has a bunch of explanations uh, there. A player catches a forward pass in the opponent's end zone. You know, a fumble or backwards pass is recovered, caught, intercepted, or awarded in the opponent's end zone. A free kick or scrimmage kick is legally caught or recovered in the opponent's end zone, and a referee awards a touchdown under provisions, and there's a special penalty behind that. That one's kind of an unusual circumstance. I have yet to see Rule 923, but anyway. Still the same concept, though a little more vague, but it, either way, it has to cross the goal line. Now the NFL. Here's the fun one. Touchdown plays. A touchdown is scored when the A, the ball is on, above, or behind the plane and the opponent's goal line extended and is in possession of a runner who has advanced from the field of play into the end zone. A ball is in possession of airborne runner of an airborne runner is on, above, or behind the plane 
of the goal line and in some part of the ball passed over or inside the pylon. A ball in player possession touches the pylon provided that after contact by an opponent, no other part, no part of the player's body except his hands or feet struck the ground before the ball touches the pylon. Any player who is legally inbounds catches or recovers a loose ball that is on, above, or behind the opponent's goal line, and then the referee awards touchdown to a team that's been denied a palpable unfair act. This, you know, the NFL goes a little more in detail where it specifies the plane, you know, that white line, you can be on it, above it, or in the end zone, and that's how you score. Now, they go a little more specific in the fact that touching the pylon counts. And if you notice that college and high school does not refer to that, um, even though they do recognize it, um, they go a little more in detail. But either way, the ball has to cross that white line. Now, how does this play into the Old Miss Cal game? That ball, no matter what, you know, from the main TV angle, could be argued that it crossed the plane. There's no definitive proof that said it did. Now, when you go to a slightly different angle, which even slows it down, again, not definitive proof that he caught it, but when he lands, but when, the, when number eight lands, he is out of the end zone. It is really difficult to say that he was in. And even when you look at the catch from over the ref's arm, that one actually I would say is the more definitive proof. But, again, unless there is a camera like Pylon Cam looking straight down that line of scrimmage to know exactly where he is, the call has, would have to stand as the refs called it. Now, where the controversy comes in was the line judge called it short, but another ref called it a touchdown. With that whole argument of it being unsure, it should have been reviewed by the booth irregardless. Um, Pac-12 admits they screwed up, which is a f shocker. That's a surprise, because they didn't admit last week's screw up. But um, more or less, that's pretty much what it takes to score a touchdown. So... With this circumstance, I would have agreed with the sideline ref saying it was short. Um, but I do agree that it should have been reviewed. Because maybe Skycam had a different angle. You know, out of all those cameras, it would have been a different angle. Now, for women's tackle football, unfortunately, we have the problem of whatever ref calls it, that's that. So, we don't get the luxury of replay. We don't get the luxury of a lot of benefits of the doubt here. We have to assume that our refs are the highest caliber. Otherwise, it ends up being a heartache. And I'll tell you right now, as somebody who has had to deal with this countless times, um, even now has like a copy of all the potential rule books we could see on them at all times now at every game, um, it's frustrating. So, do learn your rules. That's why I do this segment, is because I want people to understand. And if you need help finding access to all these rulebooks, um, the NFL rulebook's free, the NCAA rulebook's free, the high school rulebook is a little hard to get a hold of, um, but it's kind of cheap otherwise. So... We will see what is going on from there. Well, since I don't have a football and loss segment this week, thankfully, because I... I'll tell you right now, reading court documents is exhausting. And one of these times I might actually read out, because a feature that I'm thinking about doing soon is uh, about Colin Kaepernick's grievance and how that played out and what it was and everything. Because that still is a topic we need to talk about. Um, don't expect football and law to be in every show. 
It's only going to be in mitigating circumstances. And uh, if you want to know more about the Dallas versus Texas situation, go look at episode 35. That's last week's episode. Um, it's the hour and 45 minute uh, episode. And it actually has me reading almost verbatim of the lawsuit. Um, the only things I left out for privacy reasons were defendants' addresses, because honestly, that's not my place to say that, and the actual tax information for the copyrights that uh, are a part of that. Um, that's why I also didn't have the images there. It is public record, but that's why the link is there, so we're not going to cover that. Now, for Real Brew, which is I know is what you're all excited for, um, I did say there was going to be a few things I was going to talk about. Kind of before I get into the women's tackle football side of it, I kind of need to do a little bit of a real talk on men's football. And I'm sure some of you are all like know where I'm going to go with this. So, if you haven't already heard about the whole Antonio Brown situation, he's kind of been under a rock. Um, it's really that's all that's been dominating everything. I know the latest is he's actually going to go back to school, which is a good thing. He needs to get his head out of the game temporarily. The biggest thing is, and granted, this is all my opinion. I know I'm going to piss off somebody somewhere. But this is my opinion and my observations on a lot of stuff. I've seen a lot of people on social media compare Antonio Brown's circumstance to Colin Kaepernick's circumstance. Now, I must say right now, Antonio Brown was, or currently, not was, currently, is being sued for sexual assault. He's been accused by another woman for sexual assault. And he has count several, I think uh, last I heard was either 8 or 12 lawsuits for unpaid bills, ranging in millions of dollars from his personal assistants to you know, other individuals that he needed to pay and whatnot. So, Oakland Raiders took a chance on him after Pittsburgh let him go. Oakland Raiders took a chance. Then he had the whole fight with the helmet and got into a fight with Mayock and asked to be cut. And they cut him and the Patriots took him and he burned his bridge with the Patriots. You know, a team that generally gives people second chances, ex with exception. Um, but mind you, everything, all of that, he owes money, and he's been accused by two women for sexual assault. Now, you look at Colin Kaepernick's situation, all he did was take a knee during the national anthem to protest police brutality and ask for equality for people in injustice for individuals of color. I, in, this is just me. I don't know who's balanced scales with what, but um, somebody taking a knee during a national anthem and protest peacefully, to me, is a lot less severe than potentially sexually assaulting a woman. You know, we will see wife beaters be given second chances. We'll see a dog fighter who was banned permanently, given a second chance, and brought back. Um, but somebody peacefully protests because they confronted the sports, uh, you know, altered the sports theater and put politics into sports, even though it's been there the whole damn time. I, it made white people uncomfortable, and Trump made it into a problem. Um, really, he did. He ran his whole campaign in 2016 on it. And yet we have to compare the two and say, oh, well, you know, that's how it is. Um, no, it's not. It's not. This is why one of the reasons why I've been waiting and thinking I might next week read out Colin Kaepernick's case and uh, might also re-release, you know, I've written about this extensively 
in college, in grad school, that I followed his entire timeline. I've I have journal articles that back up, you know, other times that politics and sports have been involved and the same argument comes up. You know, we want we get mad when we hear the term shut up and dribble. Well, essentially they're doing the same with Kaepernick. Then we want to play the farce of Oh, well, he's not good enough. Yeah, well, I hate to tell you, he actually still fit pretty much in the upper percentile for quarterbacks in the time he was in. So, a lot of that's just bullshit. A lot of it is just people who want to say, oh, he's a distraction. And Antonio Brown's circumstance isn't. You're just upset because Antonio Brown hurt your fantasy league. And that's what it comes down to. Is everybody's upset because their fantasy leagues are suffering. Well, there's more to football than just sitting there staring at numbers all day. Granted, I like sitting there and watching stats and looking at that paperwork, but I also have played it myself and understand there's a lot more effort that has to be put into football than expecting somebody to do what you want them to do. If you want to have full control over a football player in their life, go play Madden. Otherwise, these people are alive, they have their own opinions, they have their own crap going on in their lives, and fans do not own them. You know, if you estimate that roughly, I'm trying to think the last numbers I heard that about, what, 90% of the NFL is black, you know, it puts quite an interesting spin on things, that how we have a different perspective on things. And I just think that before you go through and want to start playing that whole thing about calling Kaepernick and ignoring police brutality and start using the farce of black-on-black crime and all the other, you know, gaslighting subjects you want to bring up, Sit down and actually think about what he's talking about. And sit down and compare that to Antonio Brown's situation. Or, you know, Tom Brady's deflategate. Or Ray Rice beating his wife. His girlfriend at the time, but his wife. You know, Adrian Peterson and when he used to switch on his kid. You know, um, the Giants kicker, when he beat his wife at Pro Bowl, it was allowed to play. You know, think about all those times. Think about when Warren Moon got to keep playing after he beat his wife and his son called the cops. You know, let's think about those times. And Warren Moon has been accused of sexual assault too. So has Warren Sapp and a few others. So, you know, if the Shield really cared about its integrity, it wouldn't put up with any of this shit, but it doesn't. It wants to find the quick scapegoats and they think Kaepernick is it. But they have no problem working with Antonio Brown on this. And I last heard that he's suing them. He's put in a grievance. He wants his $10 million. But, uh... It'd be interesting to see how that reads. Because right now, in my opinion... I don't see how Antonio Brown's going to get in it yet. Um, the fact that he's not on the commissioner's exemption list is weird. And I'm surprised the PCP hasn't been applied to him. Because, believe it or not, you can apply the PCP... And it being forced the moment a player ends up on a team. Just ask Josh Gordon. Just ask, you know, some of the other players that have had to deal with some problems. Um, they can be undrafted, have a PCP ban put on them. Which, for those of you that may not realize what I'm saying, personal conduct policy. The controversial policy that Goodell put in 2014. Um, that included sexual assault and um, child abuse. They actually can impose that on a player, even if they're not signed, and then the player must fulfill that after they've been signed with the team. So, that can happen. And I've seen it happen. Many times. You know, Richie Incognito had to deal with that. What do you think he had to sit out the first game of the season with um, the Raiders? because he was hit with the PCP. 
So, let's just use your heads on this. Um, and I'll say right now, if I see more jokes about, but I've seen some jokes, I've seen, you know, everything, but I'm sorry. I think what Kaepernick did was not a bad thing. It is something that needs to be spoken out against, but I don't want to see the same people, you know, champion Antonio Brown, but then complaining about, you know, the countless other players that have beaten their wives and have been, and, you know, and they demand that they be suspended. So, don't use... Like I said, this is kind of a tough one because I've been kind of going back and forth because I always think about... You take sexual assault allegations very serious. You have to. Granted, nine times out of ten, they're true. And we always take that one time that potentially isn't and we use it as a litmus test against everything else. And we've got to stop doing that. Victim blaming is not going to get us anywhere. And it sure as hell isn't helping in the NFL. Because, believe it or not, their decline sales, their decline in attendance, and their decline in revenue has nothing to do with some of the stuff. With, um, you know, yes, officials may be part of it, but it, TV, all that stuff. No, it has to do with the bullshit, the fact that the NFL doesn't take anything serious. Unless it hits their bottom dollar, and I've been saying this for a while, you know, I personally don't buy anything directly from the Shield. Um, you know, if I'm going to do anything, I must support the players directly. So, like, you know, you go to your favorite player's website. If they have merchandise, you buy it from there. They get money directly, but the team doesn't. That's how you kind of get the, the shield. Um, you know, going out and buying Madden. Madden um, the shield gets money. And then the NFL PA has to split the money amongst, you know... 53 players times 32 teams. That's a lot of players. That's not easy to do. And then practice squad. and Anybody who... The legendary players that are added in there. You know, anybody who's part of the NFL PA gets their cut. Well, that's why the games are almost 80 bucks a shot. You know, gotta, gotta pay the royalties. But the Shield's still getting their cut. Especially when you buy it new. If you buy it used, the Shield's already got their cut, and there's really nothing you can do afterwards. But people have to realize, the Shield won't listen unless the fans demand better. But the fans have got to be smarter. And that's going to be something that I'm going to forever keep pounding in the sense of, we've got to be smarter. Putting that dumpster fire aside... Focusing on women's tackle football. Now, I did say that I would talk a little bit more about this Team United circumstance and AFE's game, which is like Cancun and all that, and you know Virginia Beach and all those, um, and the Hall of Fame game. I personally think that they are a waste of time and a waste of money because. Every single season, I have heard players bitch about the cost of fees. That, oh, it's ridiculous that we have to pay anywhere from $800 to $1,000. I've heard players bitch about $375. You know, demanding that they get it. But then they complain about it if teams do it for free. You know, what else are they having to, like, what else is having to be footed, you know? I've, and I will keep saying this, building your budget off the back of your players is not a good practice. If you can't figure out how to make your budget without charging your players $1,000, what are you really looking into for a team? And that goes for all these little side events. Part of it is the players have got to stop complaining about $1,000 for their team and then fork over $2,800 to just travel for one game that potentially could either in their season or in their career because they get hurt. Um, you know, various things. Now, I'm sure somebody's saying, well, you're just salty because you don't get invited to these. No, I'm saying this from a coaching perspective. I am saying this from an analyst perspective. And I'm saying this from a former player's perspective. 
I have, you think about in my decade of playing football, I have spent a lot of money playing the sport. Up until probably about three years ago, I was paying a thousand dollars a year in fees. And that didn't include my travel. Thousands of other dollars just for me to go to practice and to my games. But guess what? I did it. I sucked it up and I did it. Had to fundraise, I figured it out, you know? But I always said there has to be a way to not take, use, and build the budget off the backs of the players. You see teams that keep their fees low, but still manage to do full season. And you have to ask yourself, what are they doing? Well, I know one team in particular, they used sponsorships and community connections, and they didn't build it off the players. The players' money went back to the players. It bought their uniforms, it, you know, paid for stuff they needed. It, it definitely bought their uniforms, some high-quality uniforms at that. But, you know, it, it, that's not good enough. Yet, they have no problem forking over, like I said, $2,000 to go to Virginia Beach. Or, you know, however much it costs to go to Canada. Not including their passport. Or however much it costs to go to Cancun. You know, just for the sake of doing it. Granted, those are great plans, but... Either make sure you have budgeted ahead of time, or stop bitching about certain, you know, focus on what you have. This is something that I have been dealing with extensively in this offseason, is seeing the, the fires that are showing up everywhere because one person isn't happy over one little thing that has nothing to do with football, and then suddenly we have teams forming everywhere. And some of it is self-sabotage. I won't go into names just out of courtesy, but I will say that some many circumstances that I know of currently are all self-sabotage, whether they started from game one, game two, or as soon as the season was over. Self-sabotage is one of the worst things in this sport. And the fact that we cannot work together you may not agree with somebody, but if you waited until the end of the season and said, Hey, you know, it's not working. Is there any way we could potentially, you know, work kind of together and we do something over here? Odds are you probably get better than lying to somebody and creating a false narrative and then potentially getting yourself blocked from being involved in anything in the future. But again, nobody wants to use their damn head in this sport. And those of us that do use our heads, you're exhausting us. God, you're exhausting us. And as I said, I'm not gonna name out teams just in the fact that there's so much. God, there's so many little fires I've got that we I've seen so far. But. It is one of those circumstances that, after talking with several people, we do need to figure out something, because this isn't working. What we got right now, instead of fixing what we have, we just want to always create the next shiny thing and not fix what we've got. You know, we have lawsuits flying around. We have... We have teams floating around just for the sake of spite. We have teams that tried to form themselves after stealing from another team. You know, like... I will say that in my decade of this sport... And granted, I am nowhere close to being in the sport in the long run. I know there, there are people that are, you know, dual decade, almost three decades into this. Um... I don't remember in my 10 years it ever being this bad. And I know I see this, I'm saying this every year, like, oh my god. It's like, just when we find a new low, somebody digs a hole deeper, and we've gotta stop. Because 
we're getting closer to the core, and eventually this is gonna blow up. You wonder why we can't be taken serious? We can't even take ourselves serious. Instead, we have to deal with the scambery and, you know, some of these other bullshit setups that are promising you the world without backing it up. Legally at all, backing it up. And yet, no, no, we can't fix that. Like, I really am asking people to this year, please learn your rule books. That's the biggest thing. And that includes owners and lead commissioners. Learn your rule book. Use the most up-to-date version of your rulebook. And release it so everybody knows what the hell the rulebook is. Make sure that everybody's on the same page. Have the highest quality refs. Have a budget that actually benefits your team, not your owner's pocket. You know, common sense stuff. But I guess anymore, that is an oxymoron. If it's common, it's not going to happen. Or as I have heard many times in other things, if it makes sense, it can't work. We just need to figure this out. As I said before, yes, I screwed up and called the Florida Avengers the Florida Anarchy. I got my hooked on phone until backing up, back up, so... People that understand that reference, you'll probably have laughed at it, but yes, I, I can read now. I apologize. Um, but that circumstance is unusual on its own. Um, God, what I have learned in the last week on that circumstance, North Florida Pumas are alive, as I said before in the news portion. They are alive. Um, just a lot going on. But, uh, yeah. Not sure what I've got planned for the future. Um, kind of have a hard time kind of spilling it out here because vultures are always circling. Um, but be prepared to have some new things come in. Um, definitely got one big thing planned that still taking some work. Uh,. God, I've been working on it since just before the hiatus, but uh, I definitely got a lot coming out. But, yeah. As we're preparing for tryouts and various other things, you know, we'll get there. We will get there eventually. It's just exhausting in the meantime. And... Hopefully this silly season kind of smooths it out a little bit. So, with all of that being said, you have been listening to Four Point Stance, Women's Tackle Football Talk, on about 16 different locations. You know, Twitter, iHeartRadio, Yelfi, YouTube, Anchor, Apple, Breaker, Google, Spotify, Radio Public, Mixcloud, Overcast, PocketCast, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on Facebook. And it may be on many other locations that I can't keep track of anymore, but at least I know of those. If you want to send me a message, you can go to Twitter, the number four underscore PT underscore stance, or my personal Twitter handle, W34VI1. You can go to Facebook and send me, you know, Ash Edmiston, a direct message if you're friends with me. If not, you can just send me a message, I'll see it. Um, or you can go to my production website, Weevil Productions. If it's at Facebook, Weevil Productions, W34VI1 Productions. Um, or you can just not do anything at all. That, that's fine, too. Um, and if you happen to have any news, any suggestions, you know, for the news set, for not news segment, but for the rules segment, send them my way. I always like to see stuff, you know, that's the beauty of men's football happening right now, is it's a perfect time to learn what not to do. So I've got tons of that to work with, but uh, always open to suggestions, always open to reading press releases. If you know of other legal stuff or you need me to you know, break down certain legal things, let me know. Um, 
because obviously I have segment for that. And, uh, yeah, we can go from there because, really, this show is meant to be for the players, by a former player, you know, for the coaches, by a coach. You know, this is meant to be for women's tackle football. And it's from the perspective of somebody who's been in the trenches, who sees a lot going on, and just overall kind of has a generic understanding of this, you know. I know I didn't say it before, but if you're curious about my background, I do have two college degrees. One is in media communications. The other is in sports management. So this show is perfect because not only can I break down game film, I can give you the legal analysis behind it and any laws that may be broken in the process and break down from there and what it means to you. So, you know, obviously, this show alone helps connect the two together. But I try to use my knowledge to help others because I always feel like a well-informed fan base is a... It makes for a better sport. I wish the men's side of it would take that into account, but if the women's side, you know, players and coaches, owners, GMs, and league commissioners actually knew what was going on in their sport, they might actually make this better for themselves. So we'll see how that goes. As a reminder, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline available 24 7, no matter what. They're there for you. 1-800-273-8255. And the Trans Lifeline, also available 24-7, there to help. U.S. number is 877-565-8860. And the Canadian number is 877-330-6366.